Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Yep, bleachers are open. I am Jeff Blum. My co-host on the other end, out there on the left coast, is of course David Tuttle. And that's right, Bleacher Blums is in full action. I've got my lid on. I know that, how about both of us wearing green? Mine's a little bit different color, but you have got the legit Ram shirt special with the shamrock, the four leaf clover on there, the uh, Bleacher Blums shirt. You can go to bleacherblums.com, check that out. Uh, I know it's a little bit past St. Patty's Day. Day, day, day dollar shirt. I slept in this thing. You I was going to say, green, you passed out drunk in that thing, and that's why you're wearing green, it. Green beer and a couple of Boilermakers, and I'm like, hey, all right, I guess we got to do the podcast today. Woo! <laughs> yeah, hence the hat, the, the little yeah, yeah. t-shirt, of course. There you, you go. Great, man. Did you do uh, anything for St. Patrick's Day? Are you one of those you know, guys? We, I'm not. You know, I love hey, David, people that... David McTuttle? Yeah, there you go. Like, everybody's Irish. I actually have a neighbor who is... <laughs> who is completely 100% Irish. I mean, owns a company down in Carlsbad and he's like, you know, top of the morning to you. Like that kind of guy, like still has an accent. And my favorite thing is yesterday, his kids were out in the street um, playing, you know, his young kids and they had green on and they're like, and he got out of his car from work and he was wearing a Navy sweater with like a a brown vest and brown Mm -hmm. shoes and some jeans. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, no green. And he goes out missing a beat. He goes, I bleed green like that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, there you go. I'm not going to give him any more grief. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's all of the rest of us that are people like, you know, hey, it's 11 a.m. Great. You know, let's go have a pint. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm, you know, that just doesn't, that doesn't hit the, the threshold. I guess if we were at March Madness, which I've been before in Vegas and on this day, we would tip a few back, but I don't think we need St. Patty's Day to do that. I was going to say, yeah, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know for a fact that uh, between St. Arnold and some of those left coast beers that Tuttle's been drinking on our After Dark episodes, that uh, it uh, we don't need a holiday to enjoy a nice brew. And yeah. As a uh, matter of fact, if St. Arnold had like a St. Patty's Day, you know, patio thing, you're like, hey, what is it, two o'clock? Great, that's that, that's good enough for me. So what about yeah. you? What, what about the McBlum family or the... Oh, man. Yeah, so... Marty the McBlum. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we put the shillelaghs down and uh, we got outside. But here's the interesting thing is that uh, we have been car shopping for the triplets. So my triplets are going to be 16 on May 3rd. And for St. Patrick's Day, we actually found them a vehicle and we made a vehicle purchase for the triplets. Now, I want everybody to understand that even though I played Major League Baseball and I've got a great job and I, I earn a decent income, <laughs> I'm not going to create a parking lot at my house with buying every one of them a car. Uh, number one, because I couldn't. Uh, number two, because I don't want to. But uh, we we have now we were we are going to be a family of four cars with six people and all of us drive. So uh, what I found is that during the off season, it should be pretty easy to do the uh, the, the car shuffling. But uh, during the season, when I'm when I'm going downtown and calling games. I have to take one of the cars out of the rotation. So it's going to be six people in three cars. But that being said, the triplets were very, they're very, it's amazing. And you probably know this too, with your twins is that, you know, when you have multiples, you, you brainwash them into saying, Hey, 
There's more than one of you. You have to share. This is how you have to handle it. And our triplets, thankfully, are very grateful for the fact that they even got a car and uh, they're going to work it out. But uh, they've got a brand new uh, Ma a Mazda CX-5, I think is what it's called. But it's, uh, oh, nice. it's a beautiful car and it's safe and it's got all the lane sensors. It's got all the... Uh, you know, the automatic stop when the car is in front of you, it's got the blind spot monitors, it's got the beeps and the everything that lets them know that they are in danger every time they're in the car. <laughs> you could you could go big on one car or really, really small on, you know, three tricycles or motor scooters. That's a great point. Like, yeah, so you're like, hey, it's got motion sensors and uh, me having now a, a 15 and a half year old who's got the permit, uh, yeah, we're we're dealing with not so much the car shopping. You know, we don't have the the influx of children all at the same time needing <laughs> to drive. But uh, but it is interesting because I'm trying to talk them through driving, and you've already been through this probably with Mia and um, maybe the the other girls as well. But I was thinking, you know, we've been driving now for 30 years, like 35 years. I've been driving. Yeah. It's like you know, I started asking questions and I realized how much is going on in your head. And it's like, you know, like playing baseball right. where you learn to block stuff out. It's like, all right, look, I'm turning on my turn signal here. Look, this is a right turn only. Which light's going to go red next or green next? It's good to know, right? So, mm -hmm. oh yeah, the straight's going. So now it's going to be the arrows. Like, anyway, so I find myself and maybe it's just me doing it, but I want them to understand like that's the anticipation part. And, you know, there's more to it than just, you know, gas brake and steering wheel. And so I, I, I've been talking through my driving when he's in the car, if he's not driving and uh, it's a really, I mean, it can be an overwhelming experience, but back to the purchase, I'm glad you're able to do it. I think, yeah, like you said, most families are like, Oh, Blummer, he's going to buy every kid a car, but you know, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way. And I think, you know, sometimes the multiples feel penalized, you know, my daughters mm -hmm. share a room, they're going to have their own room. Now they've always wanted to share a room. So we're working on that. We have the space. So we're working on getting, you know, each girl, their own room, they're going to get a new bed, they can paint the room, you know, that kind of exciting mm -hmm. time for them. But I think when it comes to what you said, like, they feel, and maybe Mia and the triplets feel this way, they feel like, you know, he gets the better end of the stick very often, like, how come she doesn't have to share? How come this mm -hmm. isn't so maybe Mia has to share her car with the triplets and that'll be an interesting uh that'll be an interesting discussion when that comes down the pike and it sounds like you're nodding along that that might have oh, been yeah. had yeah no it is but I mean it also I think uh you know at, for the time being when you're in that selfish state where you're thinking about yourself as as a kid as we all did you know you have a tendency to think that way but I think in the long run that uh these are going to be attributes that benefit them in the long run as far as when they raise their families and when they go into business and trying to think about other people and uh, other outlooks. So, and it's also time management, it's uh, getting along with other people, it's trying to, you know, problem solve. So hopefully these are all things that end up being good parenting situations, but uh, they're, they're incredibly excited for the time being, to be honest with you. And have it being uh, St. Patrick's Day, we talked about our green shirts. Uh, you've got your baseballism shirt or hat on, but I've got my Bleacher Blums. And of course, Ram Shirts is a great sponsor of our uh, of our podcast. You can go to bleacherblums.com, check out our swag, order some stuff, or you can go to Crush City Tees, <clears throat> especially if you're a Houston native and you want some a little more local flavor to it, go to crushcitytees.com. But this podcast is brought to you by Fabletics. We've been talking about them for a couple of weeks now, and I'm actually repping 
one of their shirts, one of their dry fit type shirts that's uh, moisture wicking, incredibly light, a lot of fun to wear. And uh, it's it's been conducive in absorbing and allowing my body to breathe as I'm sweating my brains out on my Peloton. I've told you all about that. And believe it or not, I've got like joggers from like 1989 when they first opened, but uh, they're still going strong. And again, their fabric is unbelievable. They've got a great choice in colors, not something I would normally wear, but they sent it to me and I'm kind of digging it, to be honest with you. Maybe a little Fabletics logo for you, kind nice. of a subtle, subtle tease right there. But uh, we appreciate what they've done. And again, this is another an organization that's trying to maybe get you a little more cost-effective workout gear that has the same kind of quality. And they've got a great program with their VIP membership where each month they will send you an outfit and maybe some uh, perks and options for you to go in there and buy stuff, maybe 20 to 40, even 50% off. So make sure you go to fabletics.com, check out their men's gear. They also have women's gear, of course, but of course this being bleacher blums with a couple of old, crusty, salty veteran athletes on there. We like to still work out and Fabletics has been great for me. We really appreciate what Fabletics has done for us. And uh, to be honest, I am now a VIP member. So I look forward to that each month. And again, if you don't like what you're getting, you can always opt out and push it back until next month until you get something that you enjoy. But uh, fabletics.com is where you can find a lot of this gear. Nice. I'm still waiting for my uh, initial burst, but I do have, uh, like you said, some old uh, Fabletics line shorts that I like. So, uh, you know, until those wear out, I guess I, 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 you know, I'll wait for my gear to to show up, my swag to show up. But yeah, uh, yeah like you said, I think the, the key there is that um, we're all into workout gear, the work from home. I said last time, you know, most people wear workout gear on the bottom, dress stuff on top if they can, but <laughs> yeah. uh it's uh it's great for the uh you know the covid times or the work from home times and uh you know like i said they're making it cost effective as well uh cost mm -hmm. effective high quality workout gear and we can't uh, thank them enough let yes. me uh let me we jump got... into the mailbag we did get a mail oh, yeah. Uh, question yeah from sherry i think I our famous teacher way to go tuttle yeah hey there we go and then this will help us jump into the baseball stuff that we're going to get into blummer um all right so um, I know you mentioned this uh, yesterday on Twitter, but uh, Sherry says, hey, guys, I wanted to let you all know how much I appreciate you keeping up with the podcast or blog, even when it feels like you have nothing much to say. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, it feels that I have sometimes. Been, yeah, yeah, but that's all right. You and I enjoy it. So that's the key. I've been watching the social Nostra vlogs on YouTube and really enjoy getting to watch your facial expressions and gestures. It adds a lot to the telling of the stories. Speaking of stories, I have one for you. You might already know this, but Major League Baseball has a program called Fans at Bat, where they send surveys to ask our um, opinions of baseball-y mm -hmm. stuffs. I got a new one about two days ago, and you'll maybe find this interesting. It was about what, you, what would make you feel comfortable at the ballpark if you were able to go to a game this season. There were questions comparing attending a game versus going to see a film at a cinema and temperature checks versus quick COVID tests at the park. There was even an option to select the only people who can prove they've been vaccinated against the Rona could attend games. I picked that one because society needs to add a little oomph to make sure people get their vaccinations. <clears throat> That's a, I guess, a political statement in the middle of the email. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, I guess my point that. is that with Major League Baseball asking these questions of the people they regularly reach out to communicate with, it seems like they're about to make an official policy statement that will affect stadiums across the league. Um, and that's about it. Other than that, I'd love to see all at the St. Arnold podcast sessions soon. I think that could be fun. Love listening to y'all and want 
uh, you to know that lots of listeners are still out here, even if we've gone quiet for a bit. I'm sure we'll come flooding out of the woodwork like a swarm of German cockroaches once the season starts. <laughs> Not much longer now. I, w- I don't know why it's German cockroaches, but that's you know n- neither here nor there. So, so really, actually, a good email. Thanks so much, Sherry. We appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we you know we love that you're out there listening. Um, you know, we do this for you guys and for us. So, you know, um, it's good to be re- reassured that, uh, that there are some ears out there still. I'm going to go back to the second paragraph, Blummer, and just say, mm-hmm. so she said, anyway, I guess my point is that with Major League Baseball asking these questions of the people they regularly reach out to communicate with, it seems like they're about to make an official policy statement that will affect stadiums across the league. I think that's kind of the crux of what she was asking. Yeah. What, what say you and what have we heard since last time you mentioned Arlington or, uh, <laughs> wait, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I, I don't remember Arlington saying, damn it. You told me last Globe time. Life Field. Gosh, Globe Life Field. I Globe would not Life have Field gotten or it. Park or whatever. I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, but, so, so what say you about, you know, kind of where she's headed? Well, first of all, thank you, Sherry, for writing in. And uh, we've actually gotten some pretty good feedback about that uh, podcast number 111, where we got a little more philosophical and talked about some great advice. And, uh, you know, the podcast numbers on the audio side actually jumped a little bit. I don't know if it's because of that podcast, but, uh, or the content, but we greatly appreciate everybody out there, but we all, we're like everybody else. We love the reassurance. So thank you, Sherry, for reaching out. And then, uh, I love the, what's, um, she gave a little, uh, she gave us a picture of her and Alex Trebek. And, you know, what, you know, that, uh, that, that subtle, like, you know, promotion of herself or uh, self-adulation. I was like, dang girl, just kind of throw that out there. I'm like, wait a minute. You just wrote a nice tweet about our podcast. And then I'm just going to throw in the picture of me and Alex Trebek, just kind of hinting at the fact that I was on Jeopardy for, uh, for one episode. So congrats to Sherry on that. And I was pretty impressed. Uh, uh, But uh, you know, I think baseball is, is they've got to set some kind of precedent. I don't know if it's going to be league wide because we know in government and, you know, some of these larger industries, there's a lot of entities at play. And the Rangers kind of took the approach of Governor Abbott said we can open up, we're going to open up. And then the Astros kind of took the approach of we're going to be a little more tempered and respectful. And we're just going to ramp it up and see how it goes throughout the course of the season. But I do believe that I think she's right in the sense that they want to get a temperature of fans across the country, which will be different from coast to coast for obvious reasons. But I think overall, I think baseball wants to have a feel for what is happening in these ballparks and give fans something to anticipate overall instead of having to go, okay, I'm watching my team, the Rangers at home. I got to go to every single game, but I want to go on the road and watch them play in Anaheim or Seattle or Oakland and things are completely different. So I think that's where they're trying to just kind of have a blanket uh, protocol like they do for the players and they want to have something for the fans and have them have them have something to anticipate or work work towards to be able to make this a comfortable environment to watch the game. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. And it, it would be really difficult to make a blanket statement saying, all right, MLB is going to have the policy. The policy, though, I think can be, um, I don't know if we want to say more or less stringent. The policy can mm-hmm. be something like she said, like, all right, everybody has to have a COVID swab or a rapid COVID test when you walk in. That would be something that they could probably do league-wide that wouldn't be. Um, like capacity could be regional. Right. And right. then like exactly. you're saying, if you are going to have 100%, make sure they all have been swabbed, yeah. how, they, or whatever, you know. Right. 
And so that's what that's exactly what I was getting at. So if they say 25% capacity, obviously Seems the resources crazy, to make yeah. that happen will be easier, right? You'll be like, all right, yeah, we have mm -hmm. five gates open, but there's only going to be 25%. If you guys have the resources and the capacity to test everybody or, you know, whatever. I mean, Nate Bargatze, who I, I mentioned last time, this comedian who I've been watching a lot of, the Tennessee kid, you know, he joked like, you know, I go to a restaurant and some, you know, some 17 year old kid like gives me the temperature thing, you know, 78. Okay. Yeah. Your table's right over here, sir. It's like, you know, like you can't, th that temperature thing, you know, like I, I think Sherry's onto something with either the test or the proof of vaccination, or like you said, reduce capacity and mask. I mean, we don't know what that's going to be, mm -hmm. but, but I think um, there are too many unknown factors. And I think you hit the nail on the head, which is the policy for major league baseball will be something that isn't um, going to be affected by the 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 governor, uh, the government, or the policy local, uh, yeah. of that state or that local look. You know, municipality mm -hmm. was the word that I was thinking of or that locale. So, anyway, yeah. it's a great question, and and I'm sure they're going to be coming out with something soon as spring training is kind of, you know, uh, heading down the ramp here. Oh man, spring training is coming up quick, and I just wanted to hit on some Astros updates because I know that we've kind of glossed over a lot of that, and we talked about how we're kind of in that dog days of spring training. You know, that's kind of why we put out that last podcast, Damn. getting a little, little more philosophical and uh, you know behind the mind of of uh, being in athletics. But um, there's quite a bit going on in the Astros camp, which I know a lot of our fans who watch Bleacher Blums are curious about. So. Just doing a little bit of research because by the time you're listening to this podcast, I will be doing my first television broadcast, which I know a lot of fans are looking forward to, mostly myself, because I get to work. Uh, it'll be quite nice to get in the studio and hang out with uh, Julia. And I think I'm actually doing it with Kevin Eschenfelder. I think Todd, uh, Todd Callis has those first two games off that I'm working. So I'll be working with Kevin Eschenfelder. But the rotation has been a big issue for the Houston Astros. We keep talking about the depth. Jake Odorizzi is a free agent signing that I think is a big deal for the Houston Astros. He'll be right at the top of that rotation when he's uh, ready to go. But Framber Valdez was a guy who created a lot of, of stir. And we talked about it on this podcast, how when he was pitching, he tried to knock down a baseball that was coming back to him, ended up breaking his finger. He got a second opinion because the original thought was that he was going to have surgery, going to push him back well into the season. And uh, so there was a lot of concern about who's going to take that rotation spot. But the second, uh, you know what's funny about this? Have you ever seen the movie Freddie Got Fingered? Oh, yeah. Why, why, Tom Green, but I don't I remember. Yeah. yeah well, why it. would you? Because, I mean, number one, the, the freaking title is awful. And it then the movie bad. was worse than the title. Anyways, but I wrote down. And Frober then you got... admitting you watched it is like, yeah, it's I did. Gotta be in there I, I, yeah, I'm an idiot. You know, I'll admit it. We all, we <laughs> hey, all have we had a lot of free time when we were playing baseball. If it's an old movie, like you said, like, what is that movie? Yeah. Great. It's on the bus or on the plane. That's oh, yeah. So what I wrote down in my, in my topic was uh, Fromber got fingered. Oh, but uh, he did. He did not. He did not. I want to be spreading any false rumors or, you know, ideas out there. But he got a second opinion. And he's actually healing faster than they anticipated. So there may be a, an opportunity for him not to have surgery, which would mean he'd recover faster, obviously, and get back in that rotation. Uh, it brings Luis Garcia and Brandon Belak into play as far as the back end of that rotation with everybody being bumped up. Right. Um, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or curiosity on how a guy well, heals faster than you anticipate. Yeah, you know, my <laughs> wife jokes about me. I, I tell you, I'm a universal donor, blood donor. And I have oh, yeah. people like, oh, they're always, you know, grinding you for the blood, like you're a quick healer, and you get great blood and you know, all this silly stuff. I mean, 
I don't want to sound like Charlie Sheen, you know, like I have tiger blood, you got tiger like blood? That, but, but Fromber must have uh, tiger blood. Uh, what I was going to say about that is this is always a little balancing act. I mean, it's great to get a second opinion. We all want, you know, to know that, uh, you know, we want to have the real answer, right? You know, yes. this, this is kind of like what we've been Something dealing with. Something we want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true too, right? Something we want to hear. And everybody looks at the same problem a little bit differently, uh, even in the medical world. But what the challenge is, is what we've seen guys do before, whether it be contract or helping a team during the playoffs. Um, the first thing that jumps to mind when you say that is, yeah, my finger feels really good. Um, yeah, I don't need to put pins in it. Don't need to get surgery. And then you sit for three weeks and you're doing your PT and all that. And the first time you throw a ball 95 miles an hour, your finger hurts again. You're like, oh, I guess I did need surgery and pins in it. And now, mm -hmm. so I don't know if that's um, something that's that they the need case, to worry about. Sense. Oh, yeah. Okay. So no, but I'm just saying, sense. yeah, so that's what I would be concerned about. So mm -hmm. if that if they're saying that it's not going to hold him back, because right now, if he had surgery yesterday, he would be coming back on this timeline. If he yeah. waits and waits and waits and he's good in two weeks, then that's outstanding. But, you know, if he hurts, but you could push again, that, that surgery yeah. date back. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if it's a valid opinion and if it's something like you said that he knows he can tolerate and the healing is, you know, going quickly, obviously we are not MDs. We don't even no. try to play him on this podcast, but I think that would be my first concern is that, yeah, you bump up BLAC and you bump up these guys at the bottom of the rotation, um, and then, you know, Fromber's back sooner than expected, but if it pushes him back because he ultimately does need the procedure, then yeah. that's going to be a challenge for the Astros. No, that's actually a great point because there is a lot of violence in that hand, like you're like Tuttle is saying, taken for granted. And uh, so it's his left ring finger. So it's that, you know, the second finger from your, or the finger right next to your pinky. And there's violence when you're throwing that baseball, but like Tuttle just said, if you're not on the uh, video podcast on the social Nostra network, he just held up the circle change. And that is actually the pitch that is putting the most pressure on that ring finger when he's pitching. And that's a pitch that he needs to uh, offset his fastball curveball mix. And uh, that's, that's not good. No. And you know, like I said, so that would be my only concern. I will say this though, from a changeup, and you maybe know this too, like throwing a wiffle ball really hard. If you're trying to throw a wiffle ball 90 mm -hmm. miles an hour, the thing about the changeup is that, you know, you're, it's a, it's an arm speed thing, right? But you have mm -hmm. this, it's almost like a false, uh, not a false grip, but that finger isn't really on the ball or it's, you know, very re resting on the ball, but the violence that comes with a changeup is sometimes, you know, more, I don't know, you know, with a fastball, everything is kind of behind the ball and you're, you know, you have, you have some tension there with a changeup, that finger is just kind of hanging in the air and it really mm -hmm. is like a whip. And so I would be, you know, now that you brought that up, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's an arm speed thing. Your arm's yeah, still moving time. the same speed, but your finger is, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's funny to get into these conversations, right. About some, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, he missed a start because of a hangnail and he has this and he has that, but you know, you, you and I both played, we know that, oh, man. that it, the finger and, you know, fingernails and things like that for a pitcher are, you know, it's part mm -hmm. of the tools of the trade. And he obviously needs to be completely healthy and not have any doubts about what's going on on the field while he's out there, you know, confronting yeah, you major league hitters. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest thing is getting over the mental block of knowing that you were injured and now you're not, and you're going to be fine. And that being said, Jordan Alvarez has played in a couple of games. So he's getting back into shape. He's gotten a couple of knocks, uh, driving in some runs. He's going to be a huge asset in the middle of that lineup. 
Alex Bregman hopefully is getting back in that lineup and getting the at-bats he needs <clears throat> to get ready for the season. He's a perennial slow starter, so spring training is one of those situations where I hate to see him push back because I feel like the more at-bats he can get in spring training may lessen the, the slow starts he's been off to, but it looks like he's going to be pushed back a little bit uh, into spring training. But hopefully we have better news by the time this podcast comes out where he's gotten some at-bats and he looks pretty good. But uh, again, that hamstring, he needs to get healthy. I've got some, how about some bad news about the Astros? They have the worst record in all of baseball, not just the Grapefruit League, but the Grapefruit and Cactus League spring training schedule. They have the worst record as of St. Patrick's Day. They are three and nine. And how about this? Hey, more... I saw them have a couple of ties. Come on. There was a tie. Give me <laughs> yeah, that baseball say... start. Are they like three, nine, and two? I think. Come on. Yeah. In the Smythe division as they go for yeah. the Lord Stanley's Cup. That's right. Hey, the Premier League, <laughs> they get points for the ties. You get one exactly, point. Exactly, dude. But they do yeah. have a couple of ties. Am I not right? Yes. No, you, you are correct. A couple of those five, <laughs> seven inning games that they just shut down and walked That's away great. from. Yeah. So it's not all terrible. Look at, I mean, Johnny <laughs> Brightside over here. Jeez, dude. <laughs> So here's some more That'll salt translate on the well into the into the season. You, yeah. They were three nine and three. Okay. Yeah. Oh well, look at there's just so those are three. It could have been six and nine. Yeah. Now they're there. Oh, but here more salt on the wound from your from your beautiful, loving, caring color analyst for the Houston Astros. Yeah. Uh, they are as a team. They are tied for 28th with nine home runs this spring. Uh, the good news. The good news is they're tied with the White Sox, who are a favorite in the American League Central. They are 30th. There are only 30 teams in Major League Baseball. They are 30th yeah. in batting average at 217. Mm. And in OPS, everybody loves the OPS, and the Astros are an OPS monster over the last five years. They are at 656, which is 28th out of 30 teams. Wow. Uh, so offensively, things are looking rather sad. But again, it's Florida. So I'm going to give them a little bit of a humidifier discount out there and hopefully Minute Maid Park changes that. But these numbers are not trending in spring training. Again, I will implore you means absolutely nothing. I was just going to say, this is the total thing when we said, you know, when I went to big league camp, you know, I felt like every time I went out there, like the way I tied my shoes and how I ran onto the field. And, you know, if I could, you know, paint a few pitches, like it all depended on that. When it's Alex Bregman, mm -hmm. who's a perennial all-star. Oh, yeah, so true. Hamstring, like, yeah, he's hitting 150. Who cares? You know, he hit 240 last year, but it was a COVID-shortened season. I always wanted to be on that side of the fence. I would agree with you. I think some of the concerns are that this isn't – I mean, the record is obviously from the statistics you brought up. And so if there was not yep. a direct cause and effect or not a direct correlation, but 217 in spring training, remember – in spring training, you do have expanded rosters. You have guys that are double A, triple A guys. Hey, we'll have him throw a couple innings. You know, they don't have major league, mm -hmm. you know, hitters figured out. They throw a lot more fastballs and that kind of leads to, like you said, more home runs, a little higher OPS, maybe some higher scoring games, you know, 10, nine, 10, eight. And so I think if you were seeing those kind of games, um, you know, there would be less of a concern. And to your point, spring training means nothing, but it means nothing. And, you know, until the season starts out the exact same way. And then all of a sudden yeah. that gets extended into the history and you're like, Oh, well, it meant nothing every year, but this year it kind of means something. So yeah, we saw this in I, spring. If I have to say that during a regular season broadcast, yeah. Go back yeah. to podcast number one twelve for the bleacher blunts yeah. and go, you're an idiot Blum. Yeah, that's right. But you, but you might. And, and I think again, it, it just, 
this isn't one of those things that's ch chiseled in stone. This is one of those things yeah. that it does, spring training doesn't mean anything for a successful team. It means everything for a team that carries on, you know, a poor effort or a good effort for that matter uh, into mm -hmm. the season. You know, I, I, for the Dodgers, I don't think spring training means a whole lot. The Astros this year, I mean, you know, Jordan's a big one. He was, he was such yeah. two years ago, he was kind of the guy that really solidified that lineup with all the all-stars that kind of was like, yeah. oh, here's this guy we just added mid-season and he's fantastic. Last year, he was hurt the whole year. Last year, only playing, you know, half a season, 80 games. That's not, that's not great for the longevity and the kind of the, mm -hmm. I don't know, the leading into this year, these guys are needing a longer spring training and, and a little more ways to get in shape. And I'm thinking that, uh, I completely you know, agree article, with that comment. Yeah. On both know, sides, that, pitching the, and hitting. Yeah. Right. The article I sent you as well is why the Astros yeah. you know, losing Springer and, you know, you know, Michael Brantley again is a fantastic player and a consummate professional and nobody really would say anything negative about him, but he is not your like, rah rah like you know middle of the order like you know carry a team on his back kind of guy i don't mm -hmm. think you know i mean he yeah. you know he's gonna hit 320 he's, no, he's a, he's a weapon but he's yeah he's a weapon but he's not a a force yeah right and so you really need the altuve's the correa's the bregman's and those guys and you know again we just have yeah, to he, wait he see definitely enhances think, all that so yeah he does. So their lineup is good. I said before, I think the big question mark is pitching, but it's interesting. You brought up OPS and batting average. And when I think of now that you mention it, here's the silver lining again. When you have a Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Brantley, um, I don't know how often they're playing together, but those four guys, you know, spring training really doesn't mean much for them. Uh, mm -hmm. I think when the, when the bell rings, they'll be ready, but uh, I don't know. I mean, some of those numbers are, you know, obviously why you brought them up They're They're a little, uh, disheartening i guess well the only reason i bring it up is because when this podcast comes out i will be broadcasting my first game which is march 20th and that is march 20th you're on the back end the last two weeks maybe the last 10 days of spring training and that's where you've kind of done all your work and now you're getting into the mode of okay i am going to treat this like a big league game so that when the season starts i'm ready just to run and take off and continue that mindset and hopefully right. my body is is able to continue that you know so those are things that i think we need to see start to trend in a little bit different direction, start to see a little more power, start to see a little more run production. And that would really, you know, alleviate some of the pressure as they go into the season. Um, and speaking of alleviating pressure, uh, have you heard the story about Mike Bolsinger, the pitcher that was uh, with the Dodgers, I think uh, either Dodgers or Blue Jays in 2017, but he pitched a third of an inning against the Astros, gave up four runs and gave up uh, two home runs in an outing. He sued the Houston Astros. He's the only player to have a lawsuit against the Houston Astros for the sign stealing scandal of 2017. Have you heard anything about this or do you have any thoughts so, on this? I should say. No, I mean, I, I, again, I, I haven't done any research. I do remember that there, uh, Bolsinger was really outspoken when it happened. Um, mm -hmm. if he's not the guy, maybe he's not the guy, but somebody I remember had an, a third of an inning, they gave up like five or six runs and they got sent down and they never made it back to the big league. That, that's and, the story. All right. So that's, I do know a little bit about it. Um, again, this is funny for a guy who pitched in the steroid era and never made it to the big leagues <laughs> and have, you know, I have some gripes about maybe some of the guys in my own locker room and the way things were handled. Um, you know, I, I've learned over the years that, right. A lot of this just falls on 
you know, it's, it's your own responsibility to kind of handle your stuff. So uh, I have not heard about the lawsuit and I'd be curious to hear uh, if you have any more details around. Well, and, and this is kind of those wormholes that you find of these articles you read. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started clicking on things and it kind of piqued my interest. So I'm going to go through some of the things that I found out, but he filed the lawsuit in California. So a third of an inning in Texas was filed in a lawsuit in the state of California. And the funny thing about this is, uh, you know, obviously he filed it in California because he, and even the article in the judge said this, that he felt he was going to get preferential treatment in California, because if he filed in LA where Dodger fans usually uh, reside, is that if he filed this lawsuit, he would be able to find a jury that maybe would be swayed his way. But the funny thing is, is that the judge described the lawsuit as an attempt to gain a jury of Los Angeles citizens sympathetic to the hurler because of the because the Astros defeated the hometown Dodgers in the 2017 World Series and the judge recognized this through it can't out slip said, it past the old guy on the bench here Woo. nope yeah no so the so the judge was like nice try try yeah. it in Texas so yeah. apparently Mike Bolsinger is going to try and file this suit in Texas which will be kind of interesting but you know, I'm not playing defense. I'm not playing offense. I'm just trying to state some of the simple facts about this case because I think it's absolutely insane that a player in a game of chance like baseball is is suing a team over sign stealing over a third of an inning. Yeah. That third of an inning did not ruin Mike Bolsinger's career, by the way. Right. I just want to read off some stats. So in Bolsinger's career, he has 48 appearances. Out of those 48 appearances, how many outings would you say he allowed zero earned runs oh gosh zero earned runs out of 48 i mean probably most of them you gotta think i mean so let's say 40 six. Oh. Six appearances wow. out of 48 he so allowed 42 zero. times he gave up an earned run at least I one can do the run. Math. i'm not a math genius but neither of us man i ain't either so here so 42 so, appearances in the big leagues he's given up a run at yes. Least. Sorry. Yeah. So in that third of an inning that we're talking about against the Astros, he allowed four earned runs. How many times out of those 48 do you think he allowed four earned runs or more? Well, gosh, since it was 42, <laughs> yeah, at least with so one awesome. earned run, now you made the number. Let's say 30, which, wow, that would be. It's, you're almost half, it's almost half of that. 14 times out of 48, he gave up four earned runs or more. That is the same amount of earned runs that he gave up against the Astros. So I could have done that. that. Damn it, I should have got my chance in the big <laughs> leagues. I could have given up four and runs 14 times, you know. You know what's funny you say that? Okay, so just to, yeah. just to bury this guy a little bit, yeah. he should have 14 lawsuits against other teams right? That's over right. the years. But my thought is I'm looking through this guy's numbers. I'm like, why did this guy get so many opportunities? And my boy Tuttle got none. Yeah, I'm like, I appreciate you thinking that oh, way. I mean, yeah. 48 appearances and 14 of there were 14 times he could have gotten sent out for giving up four plus runs. Yeah. Four plus runs is a, I mean, He's, you know, it's one thing to come in and, you know, two thirds of an inning and you walk a guy and the manager comes out and he's like, look, you're in here to get this guy out and that run scores or something. But mm -hmm. four, four innings in a relief is like, I mean, you're That's the mop-up nice. guy or they're, or it was, you know, it was an eight to four game and now it's 12 to four mm -hmm. and they're like, Oh boy, he can't even get through that. Like you got to get him out of the game. I mean, you know how, how it works. Yeah, so that, dude, those are big numbers. 
So, yeah. but I think what he's saying is all those other times he did those on his own, but when he played the Astros, <laughs> the sign stealing is what caused it. I mean, that's what he's saying. So, yeah, unreal. Yeah, F found and he's suing for thirty-one million dollars, by the way. And he, quote unquote, wants it all sent to charity. Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, yeah. But uh, another, just another comment before I quit and let you have the floor. Uh, Miguel Cabrera came out this week and somebody asked him about the sign stealing scandal because obviously he plays for Detroit who has the Astros ex-manager AJ Hinch who was the manager during the sign stealing issue and Miguel Cabrera said basically I don't give a shit it's part of baseball let's move on I kind of nice. appreciated that yeah well also spoken like Miguel Cabrera and you know uh Manny Ramirez those dudes like see ball hit ball like yeah I it's mean, already he never too easy cared about it yeah <laughs> But, but we, you and I have said this on the podcast before, and yes, having a, you know, uh, video room and, you know, having some of the uh, things that they did, we, I think we all agreed that that's not the way it's supposed to be done. But if you're thinking that they're the only team that did it, you're crazy. If you're also thinking that guys aren't still always just trying to steal signs. I mean, every dugout I was in, I, I said this, I said this probably in mm -hmm. the first five podcasts. I wish I was a little more aware of what my own hitters were doing to the other pitchers so that I could be like, Hey, glean some information. Like, Oh, you're looking at, you know, yeah. how he holds his front foot or how he comes set or what, you know, if he, had, if the vein on his hand, you know, moves or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Like, you can see I the have forearm good... muscles move and how they change your grips. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, all right. I just, you know, you don't want to get so down in the weeds. I mean, if you have good True. stuff, you want to focus on your, you know, ability and, you know, some hitters. But in crucial situations, it would have been good to know that. But guys, I mean, they've been, you know, they've been doing it since before we were involved in the game and they will continue to do it since oh. after. And and now when I watch even little games, I, I, you know, little league games or softball games, I'm like, oh, watch, watch this, watch what this kid's going to do. Mm -hmm. And it's just funny how you instinctually pick up on, like, you know, <laughs> he just never threw two fastballs. And now, you know, the, the manager says something. I mean, it's obviously easier to see an 11 year old kid, but yeah. I was noticing it last year, like, oh, watch, they're going to, you know, they're going to do mm -hmm. this here. Just, you know, just paying attention. So I don't know. It, it's obviously a frivolous lawsuit. The opposite of what he expected is happening, which is he filed in California going to Texas. If his thought was he's going to get Dodger fans to be sympathetic, <laughs> wait till he gets into like Houston or Dallas and trying to get sympathetic fans. I guess yeah. if he got into Dallas, you could have some people. That yeah, you might have a chance if we get some Ranger fans on that uh, in, in that uh, jury pool. But uh, Ranger speaking, fans and the Rangers play at Globe Life Field. Yes, Field Park, Field <laughs> Park, field Globe park. Life. <laughs> Now you're now you're just confusing me even more. Yeah, I know. Well, the, yeah, I'm, it's more affectionately known to Astro fans, and I did this on air. I think when they were first building this stadium, because they used the Rangers. This is totally off topic, but the fans okay. will love it, and I'm only pumping myself right here. Is that the uh, architect that built Minute Maid Park did the Rangers ballpark, and the sketches that they had, and some of the views that you have inside Ranger Globe Life Field Park Place. Um, are very similar to Minute Maid Park. So I just haphazardly kind of said out loud, it looks like Mimic Maid Park. Uh, and it kind of took off. and Talk off. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Hey, you got the power of the microphone, the power of the fan. I'm yep. surprised there's not a Ram shirt that says Mimic Maid Park. And maybe there you may is. have to work on that. I like where your head's at, man. Yeah, That's a hey. business sense. Yeah, Mark, pay attention, buddy. Here we go. Yep. You know who he is. Mimic. He's printing out t-shirts listening to the Bleacher Blums, man. Ooh. How about this? Mimic Made Park is going for full capacity or something like that. What what a bunch of idiots. I don't know. I'm kidding. But 
We'll hey, have to those see are all, how it's, it's just a world of ideas yeah. here. That's all we're yeah. doing. Hey, we're just brainstorming. We're spitballing. I mean, this is how <laughs> stuff happens. I mean, where's my whiteboard? Yeah, exactly. You know, in Homeland, in Homeland, where she's still yeah. telling you oh my that, gosh, yeah. the strings and the, yeah, okay. Hey, so so it is, uh, it is, I guess, time for your favorite part, the Weddle Tuttle say. The only thing I got today, and we, we talked, touched on it earlier, is right before the podcast, it's 8 a.m. here in California, is I was rapidly filling out my March Madness yeah. bracket. It doesn't have the same feel, I must say, as sitting in the sports book at Mandalay Bay or the Venetian, but uh, that's where yeah, I'd be watching You need that. Games. You need that back. I like that. We'll get it back next year. And then today uh, is actually a little bit different because normally they start Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and get all the games. Today is play-in day. So those, mm-hmm. uh, the one-off games, the 68 teams, the 68 to make it 64 play today. UCLA, Michigan State is one of the games. And I did see the numbers on That's, that. It's that, so crazy to hear those two names in a play-in game. Totally usually, agree. Yeah, usually it's, you know, directional state university against podunk somewhere state you know i mean it's so crazy dude so i'm not predicting this but last night um on uh sports center they they said that michigan state has all the money 92 percent of uh the point money and then oh, or and then 95 percent of the money and i'm like guess what you got to take ucla brother you love the underdog yeah, dude. i do yeah i mean if you're but if you're Izzo, betting that Tom game is a, he wins man i know i know and he's playing in the big 10 who i told you is like yeah, the conference like this year that got they beat up each other they're a good team but if you have a hundred bucks you want to you know win 50 or do you want to win 400 like i i'm just I'm saying make some money i'm like you with Izzo. i don't think they'll go you know past the playing game anyway most likely it's a 12-5 yeah. i think or an 11-6 seed so anyway so i rapidly fill out my bracket today just going to give you the over view is that you know the consensus is that gonzaga and i'd love to see gonzaga win it to be honest with you i'm a i'm a you know sentimental guy and an optimist i love that program and mark few had a great quote this week it's saying you know they're always the little engine that could and the startup and he's like have anybody watched them play this year they're a powerhouse they are Dude, awesome. they're beasts yeah and he goes but I, I he goes just keep talking about us like that little <laughs> engine that could he goes yeah. and we'll see what happens so i i mean i think that's true they're a beast this year and they have three players that could have gone to you know oh whatever your typical you know like duke type players this year yeah. so they're they're a, they're a, they're a loaded team but the odds are, and this says where you said I don't like the favorites, is you take Baylor or Gonzaga or the field, right? The other 64 teams. And I'm taking the field. You and I are happen a to field watch, guy, and I love that. There you go. And, I'm, and I watched a little bit of the Big Ten tournament. Ohio State's a powerhouse. Oh. Michigan was ranked number one for a lot of the year. But Illinois, I've got Illinois winning it all. They're my Ooh. sleeper. But watching those teams. And if it's not Illinois, just – be wary of Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan are three teams yeah, in the Michigan Big Ten. Sneaky. Yeah, Iowa's a good team this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Big Ten is the strongest conference, in my opinion. I think a couple other teams to watch, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I know you're not a huge college basketball nut. Right now, you might turn into one, but uh, <clears throat> Alabama's another good team to watch. So you got Illinois, Alabama, Baylor, you know, those kind of teams are, you know, certainly capable of winning it. Gonzaga's way 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 heavy favorite mm-hmm. um but illinois is a, a team to watch so uh those are kind of it's not chalk but my bracket looks like you know you got one and three and one and two in the final four kind yeah. of the, the seating wise no. you're not going to get a five seed in during COVID. i don't think 
No, you're you're my you're my go-to with the NCAA bracket because you have the history and you have the research. I have been researching baseball just because I'm trying to get ready for the season, and I haven't paid much attention. But being down here in uh, but that's great. In, that's actually the Houston, best. I mean, I know you go into it kind of blindly and like just look at the team colors and and seating, and then go go by that. But. Uh, <laughs> Everything down here has been, you know, Baylor University and, uh, you know, like you said, Gonzaga has really put themselves on the map with what they've been able to do. And I've actually seen a couple of their games and they kind of freak me out how good they are yeah. uh, just because they're good and they have depth. What about Houston? I mean, what, why not Houston? What have they been saying yeah. about them? They're 23 and four. But what are they, they in? They're really in the good. American. Or what are they? Are they in the American conference or whatever it is? Probably the so AAC, was, the American yeah. Athletic Conference or something. I have no idea. So I, I, I've, I've, seen the, I've seen the Cougars play. I like the way the Cougars play. I love um, their coach. Yeah, Samson's been great. But I, I just worry about those mid-major schools because the strength of schedule. And we talked about yeah. that. You know more about that than I do because the Big Ten, like you said, beating the hell out of each other. They know how to play in, in adversity, you know, I'd feel like, you know, in order for some of these mid-major teams to go out there, they have to get on a run. They have to be healthy. They have to be clicking on all cylinders and they have to have a certain level of belief, which I think every team does once they get a ticket to the dance, because then it's anybody's chance, but they have to play. They, I don't feel like a big 10 team has to play perfect. I feel like a, a, you know, an American athletic conference team has to play perfect and that's a lot of basketball to be playing really well down the stretch because your shooters have to be hot. You have to be, and there's still, you know, you got to be able to travel and, and deal with playing in a new arena. You, I mean, there's so many different variables where I feel like some of those major conferences who deal with it on a regular basis are more adept to getting past some of those situations, but there's always the opportunity for a team like the university of Houston to be able to be that Cinderella that just runs with it and can take it. We're not in the five slime pajama days, man. That's right. Well, speaking of them, that's so funny. But I, 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 uh, I love what you said. It. I mean, I, what came to mind as you were talking was Demi Moore and Tom Cruise and a few good men. When it's you're like, ah, well, you know, I'm getting ready for baseball season. I don't know much about baseball, and then you start saying mid majors and strength of schedule, and it's like, don't look now. You're you're making an argument, right? Like I know, right? Know, <laughs> exactly. Hey, don't yeah. look now. You're making an argument for them. So I need to go get my baseball. Some, there you go. Yeah. But you do have some obviously knowledge and some interest in it. And that's cool. And I think um, I think you're you hit the nail on the head with two things. One is like the Houston San Diego State out here, you know, where Kawhi Leonard yeah. went every year. They're like and they're the same thing. Their strength of schedule. I have them winning a game, but their strength of schedule is like 25th versus as mm -hmm. they move into the seeds. Like, you know, some of the teams that are 19 and 11 have an eight, you know, an eight by their strength of schedule. And I don't do a lot of research, but those are kind of numbers that jump out because San Diego State plays, yeah, they play nobody. Houston plays nobody. And so they're supposed to win those games. But I mm -hmm. think, as you said, when it comes down to a tie game in overtime with two minutes left and you've been in this situation, I think that that bodes, you know, obviously well for the teams that have Absolutely. put themselves in that situation, which goes to my big 10 argument, like Ohio state mm -hmm. and Iowa and Michigan, all those teams, uh, Illinois, those are teams that are tested right now. Um, the other thing that's funny, you mentioned five slam jamma way back in the Houston days, but the team that is kind of, they got, uh, they had a COVID issue and they were undefeated with Gonzaga the whole way. And you said Baylor's getting a lot of pub is Baylor reminds me more of that UNLV team than any team I've ever said. They look like grown men versus kids on the, <laughs> on the court. 
if you've I seen them, they're all like bearded, team. like big dude, six nine, like dunkers, athletic. Out to, yeah. I mean, I'm like, dude, Baylor is a bunch of grown men, and I'd be worried about them. You know, not worried, but if you're if you're but not the physicality taking, wears on fatigue, man. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I'd be worried about playing them if I was some. I mean, I, I think they have as good a chance as anybody of, of winning it all too. I mean, that's not like going out on a limb or anything. But if you watch them, <laughs> if you watch any of the games, just watch them and go, man, this is a bunch of grown men. And then I think the key, the other key thing that you said was, um, you know, the, the the way the tournament is now, and I still love this about college basketball. I think this is my, the number one thing I like is, you know, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, which they're both kind of out this year, which is, that's a storyline in itself. You mentioned yeah. Duke's been playing in the tournament since caveman times, but mm-hmm. um is those mid-major, those teams that have four seniors that want to win, you know, there's a Colgate and a Winthrop and a Drake who has money on you know <laughs> them. And it's like, these teams can, they can play and they know what they're doing and they're well coached. That's what makes March Madness fun. You get a bunch of studs on the court and these guys that are flying all over. And then you all of a sudden have the guys that come in and they can pass and dribble and shoot and defend. Yeah. And you're like, I like those teams. And those are the teams that are hard to research, but those are the ones you always pull for. To your point, aren't I mean, and you've played against these teams, whether it be in college or Team USA or in the in the minor, you've got to fear the team that has nothing to lose. And those are those teams that have the seniors that have been playing around a while. They have experience, but they're like, hey, man, we just made it into the tournament. We were we've actually been playing very good. There's some self belief, but there's also a certain carelessness because right. nobody expects them to win and they just go out there free will and they start to drain a couple. And all of a sudden that momentum builds, watch out. Yeah. You're playing with house money. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it sticks out again when Virginia was the one seed, the first one seed to lose to a 16 mm. seed watching the end of that game. Well, and then they won the championship the next year. So I think they redeemed themselves, totally redeemed themselves, totally redeemed but, themselves. but they, uh, but that's, I mean, that 16 seed, that was, it is, it's a momentum game. And so we will see that. And that's why they call it March madness. And I just thought I'd bring it up that I, you know, hurriedly filled out my bracket, but I want to give some of the listeners and maybe yourself some, uh, some thoughts yeah. around some of the teams I had seen, but uh, you know, there's always some great upsets. And like I said, yeah, we'll talk if about you just have a hundred sure. bucks. I would put it on UCLA today because yes, they're playing Tom Izzo in Michigan, but you know, you'll win 20 yeah. bucks. If you take Michigan state, you might win 200. If you take a, uh, yeah, uh, you got to remember you're in it to win money, right? Hey, right. All right. And, All right, you uh, have a blast for us, right, Blummer? You've been I do. this charge, but you have a blast. Let's hear it. But I'm also going to tell you that next podcast, we're going to talk about the minor league rule changes because I printed them out, oh, and that's that's boss. some of them. I mean, that's dude, the minor league rule changes. The minor yeah, league rule up. changes are on there, and I mean, if oh, you can't see man. that on the on the audio, I, I just held up an entire dude. sheet of like font eleven size of yeah. rules from AAA all the way down to low A. So I mean. Just so you know, if are they major, good rule changes or are they doing no. that? We're gonna move we're gonna move the mound back six no. inches or whatever. T- like tune that. in, tune in next podcast right. because Tuttle hasn't Oh, I will. Things. I'll be here. Yeah. <laughs> because you'll yeah, you'll be here. I know that. But some of these things are I mean, they're interesting and I want to get your opinion on them. But uh it's Can you just be give very... us one like a little teaser that I might get upset about before okay, you do so, your class. Well, just so people know too, major league, if Major League Baseball wants to institute a rule, they can't do it unilaterally immediately. Well, they can do it unilaterally, but they try not to do it immediately at the big league level because it just throws everything off. 
what they do is they go to the minor leagues and they start to institute these rules so that the guys that are coming up bring those rule changes with them and they're not freaked out by it. So that being said, the one that just, just give it. So triple a, have you, you've watched softball enough to know that they have, they, they have the, the, the regular base and then they have that orange base that's in foul territory. Oh yeah. Triple yep. A wants to use a larger base uh-huh. to reduce player injury and collisions. That's one. All right. Just leave it at that. Okay. That's, okay. that's going to be a whole <laughs> podcast, dude. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Blow- yeah. Oh. <laughs> Blum's blasts. I mean, there's risk in everything. We can't take risk out of everything, people. There's a risk everywhere. Even in baseball, there's risk. Okay, so here's the crux of the matter. What happened last uh, Sunday morning around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning? DST. Oh, yeah. Love it, Blummer. I'm starting a petition, man. F this thing. I'm done with daylight savings. It sucks. So. I had to do a little bit of research and history yes. check up on this. Thing. Yes, history check. It was brought up for farmers when they had to get up and see the day. I mean, this is like oh, electricity, I'm... and we couldn't have like a, a long. Okay, so so uh, <laughs> fun, wait before you jump into oh, this is hilarious. They did it when there was no electricity, but the most inane thing that we have to do is get up every morning and set all the clocks that are running on electricity isn't that hilarious that's what i was gonna get to i'm like do you realize how annoying this is (laughs) anyway dang it sorry i'm not trying to steal your thunder no you stirred it up and you got me fired up now okay so so officially on man i can't even read july 1st look at how far away i gotta read this thing That's what I said. Yeah, so I don't this, need this glasses. Like feet. I don't need glasses. I just need longer arms. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a God's honest truth. I'm holding this thing behind my ring light, trying to be able to read this thing. Uh, okay, so on July 1st of 1908, the residents of Port Arthur, Ontario, leave it to the Canadians. I don't know if you've ever, was it uh, South Park that sang that song in that movie, Blame Canada? Okay, so uh, Port Arthur, Ontario, today it's known as Thunder Bay. Turn their clocks forward by one hour to start the world's first daylight savings time period. Daylight savings, and and this is uh, on timeanddate.com, I got the information from. Uh, DST is a seasonal change uh, measure where clocks are set ahead of standard time during part of the year, usually by one hour. As DST starts, the sun rises and sets later on the clock. than the day before what okay so like you said it's so we can have a longer day how about we just leave it as it is right now nobody gives a crap when they're waking up because we're not tilling the fields man now you can flip on a light switch you can turn on the floodlights in your in your on your field you can start your tractor that has head beams on it that's right why do we continue to do this? Why is the lunacy still there? How come there hasn't been a bill instituted globally where we can shut this thing down? Because like you said, I've got my kids going, oh, I thought it was spark. I thought it was, th-. and then I've got to go to every clock in the house yeah. other than an Apple product and reset the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The other, I have, I have, I didn't know this was going to be your blast. I have some other stuff. So actually two years ago, they put a bill in California and they passed it to say no daylight savings. Guess what? We still do daylight savings. And I was asking somebody like, so we have passed the bill in California, which 
So how come we can't? Somebody said it has to go through House and then Congress. I mean, they just oh, haven't geez. put it on the. T- I mean, but we we passed it. We passed it in California. Go figure. You guys finally I will did give something you a, right out there. There you go. And but <laughs> but, the, but it still hasn't been it still hasn't been changed. So how do we change it? If we vote on it and say we want, I want it, to know. Then why isn't it changed? Somebody email the mailbag and tell me how we can get this done. Yes, we need to get it done. And I will say this, and you know, the wives will not be happy about this, but I think my, uh, I'm anyway, I don't want to get political, but Bill Maher, who tends to be really liberal, but a funny comedian. So I got to go he makes, there. Hey, even though he's liberal, he, he makes some pretty good I, points, man. I love him. And his point who he's unmarried. So that makes it funnier. But he said, <laughs> look, we were not, you know, when, when kids got married at 16 and had like, you know, I, you know, the 16 year old married the 16 year old and they had like 10 kids. It was before electricity. It was when they had to like bale the hay and, you know, milk the cows and get the eggs. He's like, when you hear about people being married, like, you know, and, oh, and life expectancy was like 55, 60 years old. <laughs> well, now life expectancy is like 85, you know, you're getting married at 20. Like, you're not supposed to be married to someone for 65, 70 years, like locked down. Anyway, so that's his take on it. But but the reason I bring it up is not to, to bash marriage is he, I mean, these are things that were instituted back in times when, you know, we didn't have electricity. It's, we didn't it's have purpose has played out. Thank you. You nailed it. The purpose has played out. Daylight savings, perfect example. I won't, I won't make any judgment on the marriage part, whether that's played out. But again, you know, there are things, there are things you, that you just want to be a player when you're like 75. That's right. Like 75, we've been married 50 <laughs> years. It's time to cut, time to cut bait. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I totally agree with you, Blummer. Um, you hit a nerve with me, obviously. I wasn't trying to steal your thunder, but man, it is like, why can't we change this stuff? Yeah, we got to be able to change that. Uh, but one thing we do not change in our podcast is how much we appreciate all of the first responders, all of the essential workers. How about healthcare workers also who have done a phenomenal job during this COVID era? It's amazing to see how in crisis so many people step up. So we greatly appreciate all of those who are who are you know, doing a great job of trying to support us through these tough times. And obviously the military and uh, our law enforcement and all of our doctors, nurses and healthcare workers, like we just said, we appreciate all of you and uh, wish you all the best that you see the light at the tunnel with the vaccinations coming out and everybody getting healthy and back to uh, somewhat uh, quote unquote new normals or a normal of some kind, which usually involves, I think normal should be just called a communal effort to enjoy each other. Uh, wow. So that's all you've got for me, but I told you, I'm going to let you run this thing out of here, man. Let me write that down. Communal effort to enjoy each other. I love it. <laughs> I'm serious. That is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm silver lining guy. I'm the optimist. The summer's coming. We're going to some herd immunity. The vaccines yes. are taking hold. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, brother. And spring training is about to end. And the Astros can't hit any worse. Their OPS can't be any worse when the season starts. So, you know. It's all uphill, or all uphill, uh, baby. All uphill. That's all right. It's all downhill. It's all easy now. So anyway, yeah, yeah, right. I got it backwards. So it's all downhill from here. No, that's not right. It's all uphill. (laughs) I can't remember. Look at me now. Sisyphus. All right. Hey. Yes. There you go. Hey. uh, Great. Great to be with you, Blummer, as always. And uh, we end every podcast by saying this, but we encourage our listeners to get after it and believe. Yeah.